Welcome to High Country, Politics in the American West. My name is Sean Diller. Regular listeners might know me from Heartland Pod's Talking Politics every Monday. Go to heartlandpod.com for information on all our political podcasts and a link to support our work on Patreon. Sign up as an official podhead for just $5 per month to access all our premium podcast segments and political writing. To join the conversation on Twitter, find us at the Heartland Pod. All right, let's get into it. Colorado Primary Roundup. With just a week before ballots are counted in Colorado's 2022 primary elections, newly filed federal disclosure reports show a tangled web of dark money groups and deep-pocketed donors spending heavily to influence key congressional races. Those groups include a brand new super PAC, Democratic Colorado, that has spent more than $2.4 million attacking far-right State Representative Ron Hanks as too conservative for Colorado. The group believes Hanks would be the easier candidate for incumbent Democratic Senator Michael Bennett to defeat in the general election. The $13.2 million in contributions reported by Bennett's campaign through June 8th is by far the highest total among candidates for federal office this year in Colorado. While most prominent political observers forecast Bennett as the favorite in November, a challenging midterm electoral environment for Democrats could make things more difficult. Construction company CEO Joe O'Day is Bennett's best-funded rival, having raised nearly $1.2 million in contributions from individuals and PACs, along with another $1.1 million in personal contributions and loans to his campaign. O'Day has also benefited from at least $595,000 in independent expenditures from the American Policy Fund, a federal PAC supporting his candidacy. Super PACs are authorized under federal law to receive unlimited donations from individuals and corporations. FEC disclosure show that the American Policy Fund has received five and six-figure contributions from a dozen donors in Colorado and Texas, including a combined $200,000 from Golden-based construction firm APC Resources and its CEO, Jeff Keller. Meanwhile, State Representative Ron Hanks has raised a total of just $89,740 from outside donors and supplemented that figure with $35,100 in personal loans. But he may be poised to benefit from Democratic Colorado's last-minute ads, attacking Hanks as too conservative, and another highlighting O'Day's past donations to Democratic campaigns. Meanwhile, in the newly created 8th Congressional District, likely to be the state's most competitive race this year, State Senator Barbara Kirkmeyer of Weld County has seen her financial firepower nearly tripled by outside super PAC spending as she hopes to emerge victorious from a contentious four-way Republican primary and face Democratic State Representative Dr. Yadira Caraveo in November. Dr. Caraveo has raised $846,939 in her campaign for the new 8th District seat and avoided having to spend some of that haul on a contested primary after several potential rivals fail to qualify for the ballot. On the Republican side, four candidates are going into the primary hoping to emerge the nominee with Kirkmeyer benefiting from big PAC spending on her behalf. Colorado Conservatives for Retaking Congress, Let America Work, and Americans for Prosperity Action, the group funded largely by conservative billionaire Charles Koch and other wealthy GOP donors, have spent a combined $636,000 to support Kirkmeyer and oppose two of her opponents, Weld County Commissioner Lori Sane and Thornton Mayor Jan Kuhlman. Two Democratic Super PACs, 314 Action, and the House Majority PAC have reported last-minute spending totaling $247,900 in the 8th district GOP primary in an apparent effort to aid Sane, a hardline conservative and former state lawmaker who has cast doubt on the legitimacy of the 2020 presidential election. 
In the race for the 7th district seat being vacated by Democratic Representative Ed Perlmutter, State Senator Brittany Patterson has a fundraising advantage over all her possible GOP opponents. Arvada economist Tim Reichert has outspent his top rival, former oil and gas executive and one-time Senate candidate Eric Adland in the Republican primary. Adland, however, has benefited from over $260,000 in independent expenditures by Super PAC for Colorado's Future, a newly created group whose donors won't be disclosed until next month. Far-right candidate Laurel Immer trailed far behind both Adland and Reichert with just $85,770 in reported campaign contributions. In the 3rd District, represented by Lauren Boebert, the $5.2 million raised by her campaign this cycle is by far the highest donation total received by Colorado's seven incumbent House members, nearly three times the size of the next largest hall, Democratic Representative Jason Crow's $1.8 million. Her primary opponent, GOP State Senator Don Corum, has raised a little over $226,000. He's also been aided by at least $42,799 in outside expenditures by a new super PAC, Better Than Bobert, whose donors aren't required to be disclosed until after the primary. In a three-way Democratic primary race, Saul Sandoval, a community or organizer from Pueblo has raised the most campaign funds from outside donors, reporting over $906,000 in receipts. But Adam Frisch, a former Aspen City Councilman, has more to spend after loaning his campaign more than $2.2 million since January. So lots of action here. The big headline, I think it's so great that Dr. Yadira Caraveo, the state rep who's running for Congress, that her primary challengers dropped out. She was always the strongest for this seat, and she should really be full steam ahead from now to the general election. Hopefully that will be a race that she can win. And if it's a bad night for Democrats, then this district, as well as the 7th, with another strong Democrat, Brittany Pedersen, that'll be an important seat for Democrats to hold, along with Senator Bennett running statewide. My prediction is Ron Hanks will win this GOP Senate primary. The other guy does not seem like a fit with the Colorado Republican Party at all. Return to sender. Arizona GOP suit arguing the state's 30-year-old mail-in voting system violates the Arizona Constitution is rejected. Republicans made Arizona an early vote-by-mail innovator in 1991, enacting one of the first laws in the country permitting voters to send in a mail ballot early without an excuse. The state then doubled down, setting up a system in 2007 for voters who wanted to automatically and permanently get ballots in the mail. The method has become widely popular in the state, with about 89% of Arizona voters casting ballots early, mostly by mail, in the 2020 general election. But now some Republicans in the state are doggedly attempting to dismantle the system their party helped create. There's the ongoing court case filed by the Arizona Republican Party challenging the constitutionality of no-excuse mail-in voting. There's the new law and ballot referendum backed by Republicans in the legislature and passed on party-line votes that intend to limit or restrict voting by mail. And there are calls for state lawmakers to take a final vote on an extreme and sweeping measure that would, among other things, eliminate all early voting in the state. On Monday, a Mojave County Superior Court judge ruled against the Arizona Republican Party, stating that the state's vote-by-mail system is constitutional. But Arizona voters should not expect the fight to end. The efforts are fueled by inaccurate claims promoted by former President Donald Trump that voting by mail is not secure and mail-in voter fraud caused his 2020 loss to President Joe Biden. Multiple court cases and investigations in Arizona and across the country failed to find any evidence of widespread voter fraud in 2020, and Republican election officials here and elsewhere have repeatedly defended security of mail-in voting and the integrity of their election. And Republicans in the state overwhelmingly vote by mail. 
Of the more than 1 million Republicans who voted in the 2020 general election, more than 80% are on the state's early voting list, according to Phoenix-based Republican consulting group High Ground. In response to the court decision Monday, House Democratic leader Reginald Boulding, a candidate for Secretary of State, said the case underscores the increasingly desperate and absurd links that right-wing extremists have gone to to convince themselves that Donald Trump was not actually beaten in 2020 and to put their thumb on the scale for 2022 and beyond. A little background on mail voting, Western and Southwestern states in particular have led the nation on mail-in voting initiative. In the early 1980s, Oregon was the first state to start running all-mail elections. California in the 80s became the first state to allow for no-excuse vote-by-mail, and Washington state enacted no-excuse mail voting a year after Arizona in 1992. Oregon's original mail voting system started as a way to reduce costs by reducing the number of polling places and election workers, and voters there now overwhelmingly support it. The geographic expanse of western states, which lead to many rural voters traveling long distances to the polls, also boosted the idea. These states also have many retirees who like the convenience of voting by mail. Helen Purcell, who was Maricopa County's elected recorder for seven terms from 1988 to 2017, said the push to more widely expand mail voting in the early 90s came not from politicians, but from voters themselves. She said people kept coming to us and asking, why can't I vote by mail? The request came in from snowbirds who didn't live in Arizona during the primary and older adults who didn't want to go to their polling place heat. And of course, many of those voters were Republicans. During the 1991 legislative session, county recorders got together and pushed the legislature to adopt the no-excuse mail voting law. The bill was sponsored by a Republican and passed with nearly unanimous support. Jan Brewer, the former Republican governor and secretary of state, said she remembers there was some debate in the legislature, but without particularly partisan overtone. Voting by mail steadily increased in the 90s and early 2000s, but it wasn't until 2007 that it became widely popular when the state established what was called the permanent early voting list. Voters were then able to choose to automatically receive a ballot in the mail. Arizona voters now rely on the system. Bullhead City resident Ann Tosh wrote to Mojave County Superior Court Judge Lee Jansen and emphasized that she was extremely concerned at the possibility of banning mail-in voting. Tosh said she was a lifelong Republican until just after the 2020 election when she was turned off by the party's unfounded claims of voter fraud and she has voted by mail in every election since 1988. She asked Judge Jansen to consider the needs of older and disabled voters and working voters with conflicts, the state's long history of voting by mail, and the low incidence of voter fraud. She said there's no good reason to get rid of a system that encourages more voter participation. As Arizona Republicans work to roll back mail-in and no-excuse voting, in one effort, the legislature approved a ballot measure for November in which voters will be asked whether to require people casting early ballots to provide more identification. Voters will have to provide some identifying number on their mail-in ballot, such as their driver's license number, similar to a Texas law that has resulted in a high percentage of absentee ballot applications being rejected in some counties. In the GOP court case, the party argued that the state's no-excuse early voting system violated the Arizona state constitution's requirements for ballot secrecy. Judge Jansen concluded Monday that was not the case. It is important to note that this case is not about allegations of fraud in the voting process, Jansen wrote. It is not about politics. It is not even about whether the parties believe mail-in voting is appropriate. It is about one thing. Is the Arizona legislature prohibited by the Arizona Constitution from enacting voting laws that include no-excuse mail-in voting? The answer is no. Colorado GOP Senate debate shows a clear contrast. State Representative Ron Hanks, who basically claims Donald Trump was the true winner of the 2020 presidential election, wouldn't commit to accepting the results of the Republican U.S. Senate primary next week if he loses to his opponent, construction company owner Joe O'Day. We obviously have to see what we will see here, he said during a debate Monday evening hosted by the Colorado Sun at CBS4. Hanks, a Fremont County resident who worked in oil and gas and served in the military, is competing against O'Day, a first-time candidate who owns a Denver construction company, for the chance to unseat 
seat Democratic United States Senator Michael Bennett in November. Monday's debate, held at the Sun's downtown Denver office, was rescheduled after Hanks was prohibited from entering the CBS Denver building because he's not vaccinated against COVID-19. O'Day, who does not challenge the 2020 election outcome, said he would accept the U.S. Senate primary election results and that he will vote for former Jefferson County Clerk Pam Anderson, who also doesn't deny the 2020 outcome, in the GOP primary for Secretary of State. I've been very clear about my stance, O'Day said. Biden's our president. Hanks, who attended Trump's rally ahead of the January 6, 2021 riot at the U.S. Capitol, said during the debate that he reached the Capitol steps that day, but did not advance further. Both candidates said Trump does not deserve blame, even in part, for the events that unfolded on January 6. O'Day added, however, that Trump could have done a lot more to slow that process down. I was a little disappointed to see him go three and some hours before he told his people to stand down, O'Day said. When it comes to abortion, Hanks opposes all abortions, including in cases of rape, incest, and when a mother's life is at risk. Hanks said during the debate that he is firmly convinced that there are no situations where a life of a mother is impacted or affected or saved by abortion. O'Day has said abortion should be allowed early in a pregnancy and in cases of rape, incest, and when the life of a mother is at risk. On broader health care issues, O'Day said he would not vote to repeal the Affordable Care Act after changes during the Trump administration ending the individual mandate. Representative Hanks believes the Affordable Care Act should be repealed. He didn't offer an idea for a replacement and didn't answer whether health insurers should be required to offer coverage to people with pre-existing conditions. He said, at this point, I think good old-fashioned health care is what we ought to go to. Huh? On climate change, O'Day, who acknowledges that climate change is real and that it's caused by humans said we're going to move away from fossil fuels but i don't know that we're going to do it in the next 100 years hanks has rejected scientific consensus on climate change saying that it's weather and not a real issue on guns both candidates declined to support the bipartisan senate framework on new gun regulations the prospective bill would close the boyfriend loophole which allows domestic abusers to have and purchase firearms if they aren't married to their significant other o'day said it's a long ways from legislation you have to see what's in a bill before you pass it we've got plenty of laws on the books already, citing no example. Hanks said he wouldn't vote for the bill, taking issue with how the legislation would bolster state-level red flag laws, which say that a judge may order the temporary seizure of guns from someone deemed to be an extreme risk to themselves or others. Hanks criticized the Republican senators who have signed on to the framework, saying they are selling us out. That's what you get when you elect a soft Republican. And the candidates split on whether they would have voted for the $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill signed into law last year. No, it was pork and it was a bad idea, Hanks said. O'Day said he would have voted for the bill. The candidates also split on whether they would grant a path to citizenship for people already in the country without documentation. Hanks said no, while O'Day acknowledged the need for comprehensive immigration reform. Really, quite a striking conversation between these two guys. The one guy, O'Day, I don't know if his positions are supposed to be more palatable but he doesn't seem to have any sort of skill to put together a coalition to win this primary or definitely to beat bennett and hanks is way out of step with mainstream thoughts especially about abortion you know colorado has nominated extreme republicans for statewide races over and over and over again and that's handed over so much power to the democrat at the state level u.s senate governor secretary of state i feel like hanks is going to cruise to a win in this primary even though he has almost no money but he's saying the right things for the rabid trumpian base and then he'll obviously get stomped in the general at least i would hope that's how it unfolds well that's it for me from denver i'm sean diller original reporting for the stories in today's show come from Colorado Newsline, Arizona Mirror, and the Colorado Sun. Thanks for listening. See you next time.